Hello and welcome to Mashmouth, a podcast covering every single episode of the hit 1970s sitcom, MASH. I'm Ethan. And I'm Vanessa. So Vanessa, for opening topic today, I actually found a post on Reddit that I want to discuss with you because I thought it would lead to some fun uh, discussions. Ooh, exciting. This user on the MASH subreddit, uh, no discount 4107 uh, asked, who in the camp would you want as your college roommate? And I think we could be a little bit more broad. I think we just say roommate in general. <laughs> I don't think we have to limit this to the college setting. And he actually gives you a few options, but I think let's just be very broad and just say in general, anyone in the show at all, who would you want like living under the same roof as you? <laughs> okay, so honestly, the the idea of like living with some people in the camp in like a college house kind of feels fun to me. So like yeah. <laughs> dream pie in the sky, I feel like I would have to go with Margaret, of course, because you know, like she's the only girl, right? Uh Father Mulcahy and Klinger and potentially Colonel Potter because he's like such a dad, you know, he he's definitely gonna okay. look after all of us. Um but yeah, so I think that I think that they would be my perfect roommate kind of trifecta there. <laughs> If we're in college, I don't think I would want Colonel Potter as my roommate because I feel like that'd True. be too much of a dad energy. True. You kind of want to cut loose a little bit. But I, I really gave this some thought. And my first like answer was uh, BJ because he just seems like, like the nicest guy to have as a roommate. Mm-hmm. But then after some more consideration, I was like, no. I would actually probably get more along with a uh, radar than anyone else. Like he, that's true. He's you know kind of you know a young guy, and like me and him could talk about like comic books and stuff, <laughs> and like actually have like a proper like friendship going. But for the college setting specifically, probably Hawkeye because he would like encourage me to like leave my dorm and like actually <laughs> go out and be with friends. So like. Yeah, I guess the college does have an impact because if you want just a regular roommate who you're just going to go home to like every night, like it's just going to be someone you don't want to like have bother you. (laughs) But if you're like in college, you kind of want a fun guy to like bring it out of your shell, or at least I do. Here's the thing is that regardless, so college or just normally, I would still go with Margaret, Father Mulcahy, and Klinger because- They're, they just, like, match, I feel, my personality so well. Um, Margaret would definitely encourage you to study, and so would Father Mulcahy. And then also Klinger would help <laughs> me, like, alter dresses and whatnot. We could definitely right. share wardrobes. Um, so I just think that regardless of college or just normal roommates, they would just be so great. <laughs> so yeah. I did. I gave this a lot of thought and definitely still, like, not... Hawkeye or Trapper or even Radar because I'm like, there, there's just too much male energy for me. <laughs> I, that I do understand. It is a bit different for you. I feel like Margaret would be a little bit overbearing as a roommate, but, you know, yeah. maybe under the right circumstances, you know, if you if you behave well, <laughs> maybe she'll think you're cool. You know, she's good to her nurses. I don't know. Honestly, I think that Margaret would help me... Um, keep up habits that I want to keep up, like um, cleaning up after myself because she'd ream my ass if I didn't. So <laughs> um, I honestly think that she would be she would be a good roommate. Yeah, I, I do agree. This is a fun question. Yeah. Uh, thank you to 
Reddit user no discount uh four one oh seven for just posting this and having me steal it um for <laughs> for content. <laughs> yeah, this was a lot of fun. So in this episode, Soldier of the Month, morale is at an all-time low. So the camp puts on a vacation contest for the enlisted men. Meanwhile, temperatures are at an all-time high as the doctors deal with a mysterious and dangerous fever making its way through the camp. Vanessa, what did you think about this episode? So this episode was uh, pretty good for me. I have some thoughts about it, but... I thought that overall it was it was pretty okay. Yeah, I think this is a solid one. It's it's funny. You know, we may have yes. our, our plot issues. I think both of us, it, it kind of two different things that don't mesh quite well going on in this episode. Um, but the overall episode is like very funny and enjoyable where compared to like last week, our issue was that it was, like, doing a lot of serious things that, like, weren't concluded properly. This one we can, like, excuse because it's just a more, like, light and fun episode. Yeah, I think that one thing that really stood out to me was the comedy in this episode. It was exactly the kind of comedy that I always say that I like in MASH, where it was very quick, very realistic. Um, And so mm-hmm. I thought that I laughed a lot in this episode. When we get to our lines, I have a ton of lines. <laughs> oh boy. So I'm I'm really excited to talk about that. Um but yeah, I think that overall the plot was just okay for me, but the humor was really really stole the show for me. Yeah, as a sitcom should, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode starts out with um actually they're all in the mess hall and you know Radar's getting a mountain of food as he always does and uh, that's just a recurring joke that I enjoy. Um, but everybody sits down to discuss, A, um, there's this really, like, wicked fever going around the whole camp, and they're trying to figure out, like, what to do. They think it's, like, rat-based, and they suggest, like, morale is really low, so we're going to institute this, like, contest for a vacation, as we just discussed. And what do you think about this, this opening scene? I thought that this was great because I thought that it set up the episode really well. This very much was like an A and B plot structure. And this really put it out there (laughs) very prominently that this was Mm -hmm. going to be going in two different directions. Um, (laughs) And it's funny that you mentioned that you love the running gag of Radar with the food because I also noted that when I was watching the episode. (laughs) I was like, wow, I love this continuity of just Radar constantly just piling terrible food on his plate and just being like, I'll come back for seconds. This is great for me. He's a young, growing boy. He has no concept of taste. (laughs) Also, a prominent Igor episode. Homeboy actually gets like two lines, which is quite (laughs) rare. I think that this was the most we have seen of Igor thus far. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that potentially this is the first time he actually gets named in the episode. Uh, I could be wrong on that. I was going to ask that. I I feel like, you know, we've seen Igor a lot and you've talked about him like he's Igor. So I've just known his name, but this is the first time that I've like registered him as like a proper like character with a name. So we're going to have to like look into that, see if this is the first time he was uh, properly given the wild name of Igor. That's (laughs) that's a crazy name for 
a very normal young man to have. Yes, and Igor played by Jeff Maxwell, who co-hosts the MASH Matters podcast, which, of course, if you're listening to us, I would assume that you also know MASH Matters because it's the real MASH podcast, not us. Um, Mm -hmm. Or the student discount MASH podcast. (laughs) I always like to shout them out just in case anybody doesn't know them um, because it's uh, it's really cool to have a podcast that has a cast member. So anyway... Right after the mess tent scene, they go into uh, post-op, and that's where it's kind of established more that this fever is um, not good. So, Mm -hmm. again, it's a fever, so Frank is treating it like a normal fever, and then Hawkeye and BJ notice that all the patients are taking in too much liquid but not putting out any liquid, so their kidneys are starting to fail. And then right after that, of course, like, Frank... (laughs) <laughs> Frank is very angry because he's like, but they're thirsty. They have a fever. <laughs> yeah. And instead of looking at their vital signs or what, whatever it is, Frank is just like, just keep giving them water. I mean, that's what I would do, but I don't have a medical degree. So right. like, what do I know? <laughs> exactly. And then right after that, um, Father Mulcahy comes back from, I think, kind of a dual trip, like R&R and then trying to also get information about this fever that's happening. Yeah. Um, and we learned that it's called a hemorrhagic fever and that it affects the organs, the cardiovascular system, and prevents the body from being able to function. Um, I actually, I looked that up. I don't think they mentioned that specifically in the show. Mm-hmm. But that one of the issues is that it doesn't make the organs function. So giving these guys too much water makes them basically drown in their own bodies and Frank was giving them enough water to drown them. This was the most like hardcore thing I think we've had in the show this season at the very least. Like the idea that these guys, their kidneys are shutting down. And Father Mulcahy says like you could drown in your own tissues. That's insane. Like that's so sad and like real just to put out into this like goofy episode. Because I know we're kind of, like, blowing through it a little bit right now. But, like, them trying to figure out, like, what this issue is with this fever and everything. It presented as more of, like, a serious kind of medical drama for the first, you know, act of the episode. But then once they, like, figure out what this uh, fever is and, like, what it's caused by, the episode kind of backpedals from that and kind of switches gears into a more goofy... uh like side adventure related to it which is like fine for a sitcom but like this first six seven minutes presents as serious medical drama where these doctors have to figure out how to save these patients from like drowning within themselves yeah it was very serious and presented very serious uh because even in the mess tent scene BJ mentions, you know, how do you treat a fever when they we don't know the cause, there is no treatment, mm-hmm. this and the other thing. And then Father Mulcahy also kind of confirms that there's really no treating it. You kind of just have to wait for it to get better, it seems, because they're, yeah. they didn't exactly know the cause of it. They didn't exactly know how to treat it. And it was presented very seriously. And I'll get into why later in the episode. Okay, okay. But... <laughs> I thought that it was it was a really interesting thing that they did in this first part of the episode. Yeah, I mean, the first act of this episode feels more like, you know, your your house is your 
uh, Grey's Anatomy, I imagine. I haven't seen much Grey's Anatomy, but I imagine that shows a lot of diagnosis as well. So I was, like, ready for the medical drama episode. And then it's like, oh, by the way, no, we're going to have Frank be sick and then <laughs> also deal with this little contest. So it was like, fine. Like, it's a sitcom. We're allowed to do goofy things. But I also kind of was invested in them solving basically what was the plague um, because it was, like, transported from, like, rats and, you know, everything. So it was, like, invested in that, but then it changed gears, which is fine. It's I'm I'm down for different things. Yeah, and speaking of that, you said Frank got sick, so we should probably get into that because, like you said, it was assumed that this fever, this virus, was being transmitted through like rodents or rats, and um, <laughs> I thought it was really funny in the mess tent scene. Hawkeye kind of nominates Frank to be. <laughs> the rat czar of the camp (laughs) and i thought that it was great the way that frank um the way that frank tried to handle these rats because Mm -hmm. he was just doing such a poor job um (laughs) right after this frank straps a pillow to himself to like protect himself from the rats when he's setting (laughs) the traps oh my god it was just so funny i love that in this scene where uh hawkeye nominates Frank as the rat czar, as you put it, that, you know, Hawkeye does it in a way that's kind of boosting Frank's ego. So he doesn't even really register, like, having to be the guy who catches the rats as, like, a demeaning <laughs> job. He's just like, okay, yeah, they're calling me cool. I'll be cool. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. And then because Frank is the rat czar of the camp, he gets sick from the rats (laughs) and i just thought it was really just a frank burns thing to strap a pillow to yourself while to protect yourself from the rats while you're setting a trap but then also he said that he was handling the rats and like throwing them away (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and it's just like okay so the pillow and then but also you're handling things that are carrying disease and are like this is fine so just was such a Frank Burns fallacy, I feel. Yeah, he may have a medical degree, but he's not a very smart man. Let's just put it that <laughs> way. And I loved his goofy trap that he invented, like this insane box with like a mirror and like a thing to like bash the it was insane. It was like <laughs> this is so overcomplicated for for no reason. <laughs> it was almost like th- the three stooges, but for rats. Yeah. <laughs> it was very It was like funny. a Tom and Jerry trap. <laughs> I did love the perspective shot that we got in that portion of the episode where Frank is explaining his trap because you see from like inside the trap and then everybody looking into the trap. It was a it was a very good shot. Yeah, that was very much like a Breaking Bad, like weird perspective. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, Frank comes down with this fever. And I personally think that sick frank is the best frank because i was gonna say yeah he just like doesn't he's just so harmless when he's sick because his wits are not about Mm -hmm. him and he was very just harmless and i i liked that a lot i love any time that frank is taken down a peg and like has to deal (laughs) kind of on the the same ego level as everybody else when it's just like he's taken a little bit out of commission 
And I thought also the makeup that they put on Frank to make him look sick was like really good. Uh, we've talked a little bit in the past about how, you know, the show was not designed for HD television. So some stuff that they do like doesn't hold up visually. But this I thought like really kind of worked. I was like, oh, that does look like a sick man. Yeah, I noted that as well. I thought that just his red rimmed eyes, he looked very sick and very haggard. And I I felt for him because I'm like, yeah. Ugh, that must have been so but like obviously the character, but that must have felt like just so terrible because he yeah. did. He looked so sick. And there's like a real chance that he could die. Mm-hmm. Like he's being taken care of, but like Margaret wants him to make a will. Um, that is kind of her plot line for this episode. And I don't know if this is bad of me, but my brain went to like, oh, does she want him to make a will so she could get his money? But I feel like it, you know, there's a little bit more kindness to her. She just kind of wants him to be like protective, even though she is kind of mad at what she ends up getting from the will <laughs> uh, in Frank's uh, delirious state. <laughs> Yeah, I think that she really had his best interests in mind. I was also very angry at Frank for going into a war and not having a will already. That is not something that anybody should do. And Margaret was also right that no matter who you are, if even if you're not sick or on the precipice of death, you should have a will. <laughs> yes, uh, just... You should. And this is a lawyer or future lawyer speaking to you. So like, yeah. Um, Also, I have a genuine question. Did we know that Frank has kids before this? Because he mentions that like, oh, to my children. But I don't know if we knew that he had children. I know he had a wife and maybe it was brought up like season one or two. But I feel like it's been a long time since we had any mention of of little Burns offspring running around. <laughs> um, you know, now that you mention it, I mean, I always knew that Frank had kids, but that could just be because I have been immersed in the show for so yeah. long. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it was probably mentioned, but I could for sure be wrong. Um, but if this is the first revelation that Frank has kids, that's kind of wild. That is kind of wild because like everybody else who has kids, like Trapper, you know, BJ... They always bring up their children. Uh, well, maybe not always, but they, it is a, a plot point that they have children. Mm-hmm. And Frank, I think, is so self-involved. He's mentioned his home life because of Margaret, but not any like extended family beyond his wife. Um, can you imagine having Frank Burns as a dad? That, that sounds like <laughs> a bad time. Well, speaking of Frank Burns and childhood, I kind of loved how Frank was just trauma dumping on Hawkeye and BJ (laughs) when he was in his like fever fugue state because he was like well my mom used to hit me when I was sick and also when I was not sick and also he was uh, some a janitor at his high school was his only friend but also he was kind of being weird to him I don't know that was that was a very odd (laughs) I don't really know what the writers are trying to say there but it was a it was a kind of it felt weird (laughs) That janitor thing, first of all, I don't think that janitor was that janitor was being like creepy or anything. I think that was just a, like a joke about how uh Frank has just always been like a weird little outcast who can't I, get along with anybody. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that because 
<laughs> I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but when he said he the janitor used to show him pictures of his like heavyweight champs, I oh, that felt weird to me. Right. That felt a little bit weird. Of course, like not uh, the writers were not <laughs> intending to do anything weird. I don't think, but it something felt wrong there to me. See, with the heavyweight champs thing, my, I just registered that as, like, a weird, like, 40s, 50s thing. Like, of course, people had pictures of heavyweight champs mm-hmm. in their wallets. Everybody did. Heavyweight champs were the, the kings of the world. Um, But, man, you're right. Frank has had a, a weird childhood. It kind of explains who he is now, that he, you know, some stuff has happened in his past. Maybe not horrifically, but, like, bad parenting has led <laughs> to the adult man that we we know now that is still kind of a child, but like, you know, is also 45 years old or however old Frank is supposed to be. (laughs) Well, and then we have also discussed this before of Frank just constantly like being rejected by everybody who's supposed to love him. (laughs) So (laughs) so it it makes sense too that he then asked Hawkeye and BJ like, hey, do you guys like me? Like, actually, like, am I your friend? (laughs) And it was, it was, we've seen this before. So the continuity in this, whenever Frank's guard is kind of down or he feels upset or anything like that. And he's like, do you guys really see me as a friend? Do you guys really hate me? It's kind of heartbreaking, but also he's such a jerk. So I don't know. (laughs) Frank Burns is, is very complex. Yeah. I love that he is so... He's so mean to them. Like, he doesn't give them any sort of respect. But also, when he's, like, knocked down, he's like, but you guys, like, enjoy my presence, right? You guys would miss (laughs) me if I was gone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think that these little bits of Frank Burns are just just real gems. They they, they save the character a little bit for me. He wants to be everybody's friend, but he's, like, such an incompetent fool that he just doesn't know how to process that. (laughs) Right, exactly. But going back to what we were talking about before with the estate and the will, um, I thought that that scene was also really interesting just because of the things that Frank was saying. Not even so much about his kids, which very much could have been the first time he mentioned them. But he was also talking about taking kickbacks from prescription drugs and how he basically cheats on his taxes i it was it was so it was such a wild frank episode we learned so much about this character in the span of like 10 minutes see i i i was paying attention i registered all that but i completely forgot about frank's like weird money situation (laughs) uh going like he's buried money in his backyard and like margaret hears that and kind of is like Huh, interesting. Because <laughs> she kind of assumes that she's maybe getting this money the way he starts phrasing it. So, like, she was like, oh, I have to, like, find a map to his money. But then it turns out that Frank is not gifting her much. He is gifting her his clothes, which is <laughs> quite the decision to make. <laughs> yeah, I was quite confused about this. I mean, it made sense because Frank is just so odd and also doesn't doesn't treat margaret well um but i also thought (laughs) in my head i was just like well maybe he owns expensive suits and she can sell those off when he dies oh sure (laughs) and also clearly that's not where the writers were going with this because at the end when frank uh he 
begins to recover and whatnot, Margaret gets really angry at him and like smacks him upside the head. She like punches him. This is really funny. This is so unexpected. It was so unexpected. And she's like, oh, leave your clothes to someone your own size. So I don't know if she was maybe like offended that she that Frank thought that she could fit into his clothes. I don't know. I don't know what the writer's intention was there with that (laughs) line. But in my head, I very much thought that he was leaving her clothes to like sell, (laughs) which is not great still. I think Frank wanted her to wear his suits and Ew. army garb. Uh, that's like, that's a weird, that would be like a weird Frank Burns kink, I think. Oh my, okay, I wasn't even thinking about like <laughs> that, but okay, but I said sure. <laughs> and to back up just a little bit, like I said, Frank started to get better and his fever broke and whatnot. And then he started, uh, not started, he goes to the bathroom and then comes out and is his old Frank Burns angry self. Mm-hmm. And I really liked how the narrative here suggested that Frank peed out <laughs> fever and expelling <laughs> the urine made him not sick anymore. And I thought that that was just, that was very funny. That was a very funny way to wrap up the Frank is sick storyline. That was the very end of the episode. And he says something so weird. And I thought this was like a poor line reading, but then they like comment on it like it's supposed to be like what was written. He says, can't I have five minutes of private? Not privacy, just private. That was just a weird thing that like it stuck out in my brain. I don't know if it stuck out in yours, but it stuck out in mine. <laughs> um, I mean, not the word choice I would have used, but I don't think that that's like grammatically incorrect, but. Oh, sure. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they spoke differently in the 70s slash 50s. That's true. So like we said before, this is a very A and B plot structure. So we've went through most of the Frank Burns' stick A plot. So why don't we get into the Soldier of the Month contest? That was was a lot of fun. This was a great bit of levity that was like separate from any sort of medical drama. And it's everybody like is competing for this vacation. So we kind of get to see everybody's true colors that like <laughs> Radar is like a good boy student guy. And Klinger's just instant thought about any of this is to cheat like there is no tomorrow. <laughs> so for some context, um, part of this contest is who can be the basically like the best soldier and then also a history quiz. Um about American history. So I guess it's a it's a contest with all the enlisted men to see who has the best morale and is the best soldier. And then the four are picked to do the history quiz. And I thought that it was really interesting, like you said, that Radar was trying to be really studious because if you remember, when Radar was studying for his GED test, he cheated originally and he memorized all the answers to the test out of order and henry kind of took pity on him and was like hey listen like i'll pass you but don't cheat again and i feel like he kind of took that to heart because he studied really hard and he tried to study he studied from like genesis to present history and he tried to (laughs) memorize all of history for all of time and i just think that that was like so funny because he cheated prior And having him not do it again was, I don't know, just such cute character development. 
the character arc is so strong. I didn't even <laughs> register that. I was just like, yeah, hey, of course, Radar's a good boy. He would study. But you're right. There's this whole plot line about him not doing that. And Klinger's cheating, I thought was the funniest thing in the world. Because <laughs> he, like, got such basic information wrong without cheating. Like, he didn't know that George Washington was the first president <laughs> without, like, checking his arm tattoo of all the answers <laughs> that he gave himself. I loved this scene too with the with the history quiz because Frank was originally supposed to be the judge of who won the contest, but of course he was sick, so BJ and Hawkeye took it over. And mm-hmm. Alan Alda and Mike Farrell looked like they were having just a genuinely really good time yeah. in this scene. And Hawkeye for sure clocked that Klinger was cheating, but didn't call him out until like the very end. He was like, because Klinger was contorting his body in various ways to be able to see the answers that he had written on himself. And Mm -hmm. so Hawkeye had made several comments about that and then just did not say anything about it. He just let it go until the very end. It was a lot of fun. And I, I like that Radar won this, that he was, you know, the good student. And got some R&R time in Tokyo, his first trip to Tokyo, which he always wanted ever since he was a small soldier, um, which was very <laughs> funny. But then at the end, the the outcome of this is that like Radar went insane in Tokyo, like absolute debauchery, <laughs> which just fantastic. I love that he lived it up. <laughs> I agree with you. I think that it was pretty cute that Radar is kind of letting loose and getting rowdy and him. It seems like he was really getting drunk for one of the first times. And yeah. I just I don't know. I thought that that was that was a very cute thing. I also did like how his GED studying paid off in the end. So I don't know. It was a very cute end to the whole episode. Yeah, I love the joke about how bewildered Potter is at the idea that, like, Radar tried to drink the ink from the tattoo parlor. <laughs> That's just so bizarre that it, like, really made me laugh. I would love to know if Radar got, like, a secret tattoo. Oh, I'm sure he, I'm sure he <laughs> has one. We're gonna see a future episode of, like, Radar shirtless, and he's gonna have some, like, weird tattoo, and they're not going to acknowledge it. But it's going to be there. We're like, <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I think that that's pretty common for back in the day. People in the army and the military in general would end up getting tattoos a lot. So I don't Absolutely. know. I think, I think maybe we're in store for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. So as I mentioned before, I have a ton of favorite lines from this episode. But do you have any, Ethan? I have a couple. I have a couple. There's one line where Hawkeye and BJ kind of make fun of Margaret and Frank for being like so military that um, they say if these two get any more GI, we'll have to start folding them by the sunset <laughs> like a GI track. Just very. That's a thinker. You know what I mean? Yeah, I liked that one. Um so one thing we forgot to mention in this episode was that Klinger was really into the idea of going to Tokyo for however many days. So he actually got out of his right. women's clothes and he was in a male uniform. And Frank was originally supposed to be judging the contest before he got sick, as we mentioned. And Klinger was talking to Hawkeye and BJ and he said, you think I've got a chance with him? And <laughs> Hawkeye said, I think he prefers blondes. <laughs> 
That is a good one. That is a really good one. I also have to shout out the speech that Hawkeye gives to kind of build Frank up into being the rat czar. He says, <laughs> some men are born great, some men achieve greatness, and some are born to work with rats. <laughs> Just, if that doesn't describe Frank Burns to a T. <laughs> Another one for me was when Father Mulcahy was talking about what he learned about the fever. And at the end of the scene, Hawkeye or BJ says, thanks for the confirmation, Father. And Father Mulcahy goes, confirmation is my middle name. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that is that. That's a Mulcahy classic, I feel like. <laughs> I'll tell you one more, too, because... <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god one of the ones that i just like i just just put me out i li- I went back and listened to it like 10 times when radar runs up to hawkeye at one point and he goes sir hawkeye and hawkeye goes thanks for the knighthood radar <laughs> right <laughs> that's <laughs> no i might and, keep that in because that's a, cla- radar that's a classic was so confused <laughs> <laughs> That's a Vanessa joke right there. Like, that is a foundational thing about your personality, that kind of joke. I loved that one. I laughed really hard at that one. They don't even acknowledge it as a joke, Right, exactly. Like, the the audience, the studio audience or the canned laughter, it doesn't even make a sound. It's just, it's it's just, it felt very ad-libbed and I liked it a lot. Like... What kind of makes that joke work is that it kind of fell flat, but like if yeah. you're paying attention, it like, oh, that's a good one. Because, because, and that's the thing, it was supposed to fall flat too, because Radar wasn't understanding it. Oh, yeah. God, so good. So good. Great episode. I wish I wrote down more lines, but it's one of those cases where it was so dense with lines where it's mm-hmm. like, I, I can't. I, I either have to like watch the episode or write down lines. <laughs> I can't do both. Yeah, I wrote down like, like seven lines it was it was a lot shout out to linda bloodsworth who uh just is an absolute queen at writing apparently (laughs) she's the comedy queen so vanessa do you have any trivia for us in this episode i do so this was not a guest star heavy episode so i decided to do some research on the hemorrhagic fever during the korean war that is interesting i love some real world information So, we're going to be discussing some medical stuff. Um, During the Korean War, the hemorrhagic fever with renal failure was first reported in UN soldiers in the central front lines of the war. About 3,200 UN troops came down with the fever with a 20% mortality rate. Oh my god. The cause of the fever was unknown until 1976, which is probably why this disease appeared in this episode, because there was no determined cause up until the time this episode was probably being written or very soon after or very soon before. Oh, that's so interesting. I love that they used the opportunity for this show to like add that information into a Korean War like narrative. That's really interesting if that was like just found out when the the show was like in production and they're like, we need to write this into it. That's so cool. Yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting. So like in the show, the actual cause is mites carried by rodents. And like in the show, the 8228 MASH presumed the cause was mites on rodents before it was actually confirmed in 1976. That's so interesting. 
Yeah, I thought that that was really, really cool. So the symptoms that were portrayed in the show were very accurate, especially with the renal failure, because that was very common for the virus. And research confirmed that the fever very likely came to be because of the destruction of the environment due to the war, because 80% of forests in Korea were destroyed between 1950 and 1953, making it more likely the rodents in the area would become transmitters of the virus. So, like, war is just bad for everybody, I guess. That's, like, almost the point of the show. That's so interesting. Like, that's so metaphorical that, like, war caused disease you know what i mean mm-hmm. um that yeah i i actually really love this trivia segment thank you for for bringing this to the table yeah of course uh, originally we weren't going to do trivia this week because i didn't think that this <laughs> fever really warranted any type of research um i thought it was just something that was kind of thrown in there but i'm really glad that i just did a really quick google search and then kind of went down the rabbit hole with it mm-hmm. so it it was really interesting to look up I know that we like have talked about the medical accuracy of the show before, but I'm always surprised that it like is medically accurate. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? I'm always expecting there to be like some random made up nonsense going on. Yeah. Walter Dishel really outdid himself in this episode. Yeah. Okay, Ethan. So what was your martini rating for this episode? You know, I think I'm feeling a solid four out of five martinis. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, this originally was a three for me, but I would have to say because of the historical accuracy, I guess, or the historical aspect of the show, I do think that I would give it a 3.5. Yeah. Like originally I was like, oh, these two plot lines don't really mesh well together, but I don't know, talking about it and just like, oh yeah, this is a fun one. We're allowed to have fun in a (laughs) comedy sitcom sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And Speaking of that, too, I didn't bring it up in our main discussion, but I do think that it's really interesting for me to watch things like this because, like we said, this is an A and B plot structure of this episode. And I feel like in seasons prior, these two storylines would have been their own distinct episodes. But I do feel like this season is very transitionary for multiple reasons, not just the characters changing, but the structure of the show as well with the A and B plot line because older shows really kind of followed that one plot line structure and mm-hmm. seeing the transition is really interesting to me because in the 80s that's kind of when the A B plot structure I feel became more of a thing so seeing MASH do that and kind of doing it a little clumsy in this season um before they transitioned really into fully A B plot structure uh, I don't know. It's just it It was it's pretty interesting to me to watch it like that chronologically. Yeah, it is really interesting to kind of see because uh, I think MASH was one of the first shows to like institute this kind of plot structure, this A-B plot structure. So it is kind of cool to see them kind of figure out how to properly use it, um, because in shows like modern day, if it's A-B, Normally, they're, like, related by a theme. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some consistent element that, like, brings the two together. And this episode is just kind of two separate events. Um, And, like, you're right, in the past, maybe this episode would have gone down, like, the episode where Hawkeye, or where the entire camp gets sick, and, like, Hawkeye's the only one left standing, where, it's, you know, the fever spreads and everything. But 
they split it in half. So it's a much lighter kind of event Mm -hmm. um, going on. Um, I think when things are messy, it's interesting. (laughs) When you're like, see, when you can see that they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I don't know if MASH was the first. I wouldn't say that to implement the. No, sorry. I don't know if MASH was the first to implement the AB plot structure, but it was definitely in that time period or this season was in that time period where I feel like more sitcoms were starting to transition to that. Um, Yeah. So like you said, the messy is kind of interesting because you're seeing the writers like almost figure it out in real time. And of course, I personally think that they do get better with it when it becomes that type of plot structure. Um, But yeah, overall, I just thought that this was... Even though it wasn't the best, I thought that it was still pretty good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And again, fun is good. Yeah. What more do you need? So just to wrap up, we'd like to give thanks to you, Jacob Friabaco, for being our technical consultant, Melissa Finesse sister for awesome cover art, and of course, our listeners. Links to our music, social media, and contacts to the show are in the description, as always. And join us next week for Season 4, Episode 14, The Gun. But until then... Remember not to leave your girlfriend your clothes in your will. And happy holidays. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. Happy holidays. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>